0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms.
1: I want you just to praise me, just to worship me. Don't worry, I got this. I'll take care of this battle. The battle belongs to me. This one does. I just want you to praise me and worship me and watch me. Sometimes we can sing the right song on the right side of that Red Sea that God's going to part of that battle that God is going to fight for us and instead of us.
0: Many of us like to try to step in and do battle for the Lord. While this tendency may be rooted in some stoic sense of pride, not wanting to need God's help is harmful to your faith. As Pastor J.D. examines this beautiful psalm in today's message, He reminds us that the battle is the Lord's. You need to let go of your pride and let Him fight for you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 119 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If he was
1: unwilling to withhold His only begotten Son, why would He withhold anything from you? If it's good, God is going to give it to you because He gave you His only begotten Son. God is for you. God will give you anything, all things, graciously. He will not spare His Son. Why would He be so sparing in giving you All things. And then he says, verse 33, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. I just love the, maybe you'll just indulge me for just one more moment, but I just love the strength of this. You know, sometimes I think the enemy just beats us up so much and beats us down so much that we forget who we are in Christ, that we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. Because God is for us. Is there anything that He would withhold from us, not do for us? Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. God is for me. God loves me. God will do anything for me. If it's good, it's God. It's a done deal. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes from the Father above. And He's not back and forth wishy-washy, shifting shadows here, there, then over here. No. If it's good, it's God, and He's for us. Verse 161. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. There's another place I won't uh, torture you with this placement of the word but here, but I think you get the point. I rejoice, verse 162, at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all my ways are before you. Wow, what a stanza. Did you notice something peculiar about it? Did you notice that nowhere in this section does the psalmist deem it necessary to ask God for anything? There's no request here. There's no petition here conspicuously absent from this, is any request, any petition. Why? Because he is so in awe of the Word of God and the God of the Word. And by that I mean, by awe, I mean, the psalmist has this sense of excitement and reverence for the Word of God. He meditates on it. More importantly, he takes heed to it. You know, it's, a, it's one thing to read God's Word, it's another thing to heed God's Word. James, again, says that we're like someone looking at themselves in the mirror, and then we walk away, and we forget what we look like. That's what it's like when we read God's Word, but we don't take heed to it. We're, we're hearers of the Word, but we're not doers. We don't do anything about it. It would be as, it's kind of a ludicrous, almost silly kind of illustration. You look at yourself in the mirror, and you say, wow, whoa. And as you get older, it's more like, "Whoa, oh, oh. And I need to do something about that and that, and that, and that, and uh, that needs to get shaved off, that needs to be trimmed, that needs to be washed, that needs to be brushed, that needs to be, uh, that used to be brushed, but there's nothing there to brush anymore. And I mean, we're, we're thinking about all the things that we have to do by virtue of what we see in that mirror, and so too is this true, because what is the Word of God? It is a mirror that shows us us. It's it's the mirror of God's Word that shows us in our true condition. You look at yourself in the mirror of God's Word, and it shows you your condition. Now what are you going to do about it? You walk away, and you don't do anything about it. Well, you're like the one who is a hearer of God's Word. You see yourself in your true condition in the mirror of God's perfect law, perfect word, and then you walk away and you don't do anything about it. So here, the psalmist is so in awe of God's Word. It's almost like, I don't want to mar just the majesty and how awesome God's Word is by spoiling it with a a petition. And here's the thing, the psalmist is still in the middle of a trial. He's still afflicted and persecuted, yet he petitions for nothing. His expression is all this awe of the Word of God, the judgments of God, the precepts of God. He is in total awe of the Word of God. And, by the way, there was only two of the twenty-two stanzas in Psalm 119 of which there were no petitions and this was one. G. Campbell Morgan explains it this way. This division is remarkable in that it is one of the only two which contain no petition. The other was in verses 97 through 104. That fact is the more remarkable because its opening sentence shows that the singer is still conscious of the circumstances of the trial. Think about this. Sometimes in the midst of the trial, just praise Him. Just thank Him. Just worship Him. It's amazing what will happen. First of all, it puts whatever you're going through into its proper perspective. But second of all, it's very pleasing to the Lord. I think about this sermon, actually, from uh, the late um, Times Square Church. uh, How can his name escape me? David Wilkerson, thank you so much. It was titled, Right Song, Wrong Side. And It was about the Israelites, after they walked on dry ground, when God, through Moses, parted the Red Sea, delivering them from the Egyptians, drowning the Egyptians after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea. And then on that side of the Red Sea, they're praising God. Oh, hallelujah. Beautiful song. Miriam, Moses' older sister, who, by the way, stayed when his parents put him in the Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she stayed behind. That was his older sister. And so she leads them in worship with this beautiful song. The only problem is, it was the right song, but it was on the wrong side. See, they were singing that song of praise out of relief, not by faith. Uh, uh, First Chronicles 20, I think it is, one of the most interesting situations where Jehoshaphat, who's king at the time, is up against this great horde, impossible odds. There's no way. There is no chance. It is certain death. It is certain defeat. And he cries out to the Lord. He calls all of the Israelites. They pray, they fast, they seek the Lord. They're on their face before the Lord. And he says to the Lord, we are helpless, hopeless against this great horde that has come against us. We don't know what to do, but, right place for that word, our eyes are on you. What's the Lord's response? Ah, music to my ears. Here's what I'm going to do. First of all, good news, you're not going to have to fight this battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, we've written songs about that. We've preached sermons on that. And this is one of those times where God just says, hey, you're not going to have to fight this battle. That does not mean that all of the battles in life belong to the Lord. Certainly He gives us the victory, but there are many battles that we have to fight. When the Israelites took the promised land, they had to fight many battles in Jericho, Ai, Ai. So, but this battle, you're not going to have to fight this one. I, I got this for you. I, I, I'll take care of this. This is mine. <laughs> watch me now. Here's, what, here's all you have to do. All I want you to do is just, in the morning, stand and watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this victory. And I want you just to praise me. And just thank me. Well, wait a minute, We we haven't... We haven't won the battle yet. We haven't been given the victory yet. Uh, We're still very fearful. No, no, I want you just to praise me, just to worship me. Don't worry, I got this. this, I'll take care of this battle. The battle belongs to me. This one does. I just want you to praise me and worship me and watch me. (laughs) Sometimes we can sing the right song on the right side of that Red Sea that God's going to part of that battle that God is going to fight for us and instead of us. Well let's get to the last stanza, kind of um, again bittersweet. I, if you're anything like me there's just been such a, I guess a fondness with this Psalm 119. What a, an amazing psalm. Let my cry come before you O Lord, Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand, verse 173, become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments." Okay. Okay. I can't think of a better stanza to end this amazing psalm and with our Bible study tonight. In it, the psalmist declares that the Word of God has had such an impact on his life that it has controlled his tongue and his lips and the words that come out of his mouth that's how much of an impact the Word of God has had on his life, such that it has changed the way he talks. He talks Bible now. He talks, if you prefer, the language of heaven now. I remember it was said of Pastor Chuck Smith, who's now with the Lord, that if you cut him he would bleed Bible. I had a couple of occasions where I was so privileged and so honored to be able to, you know, meet and talk with Pastor Chuck. And I mean, it's it's like this. Uh, you talk to him about this or that. I mean, there's, there's really no interest. It's inconsequential. But boy, you just talk to him about the Word of God. I, you have, his eyes would light up. And I mean, it was like he'd known you all your life you're speaking His language, the Word of God. You know how it is when you talk with Christians and you can tell, man, they've been in the Word. Look, Listen to how they're talking. It goes both ways too. Uh, wow, they haven't been in the Word. Listen to how they're talking. Talking like the world, man. It reminds me of, uh, I think it's in the book of Acts, might be in the Gospels, where these men took particular notice of the disciples, and they they said, you know, they have been with Jesus. That's why. That explains how they're talking. That explains how they're behaving. That explains how they're acting. That explains what they're doing. These men have been with Jesus. You know how it is that you become like the one that you spend the most time with? Now think about that. You, you, you mimic their mannerisms. You say and use their same expressions, because you're, you're just with them so much. This is true in a marriage with the husband and the wife. I mean, I look at my wife, she looks at me. I got the better of that deal. And <laughs> I, it's, it's ama- we can finish each other's sentences. Why? Because we're with each other so much. We, 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 we talk each other's language. We've been married for 31 years this year. And I mean, she just like, sometimes we don't even have to talk. She's like, I say, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. You know how that is? And, and this is true when it comes to the Lord as well. I mean, this what I call it the, the language of heaven. Maybe I need to explain that. It's like the language we understand the most, the language that we're the most articulate with is the language of the Word of God, where that's what you talk about. That's what you're excited about. It's the Word of God and the God of the Word. I mean, it's like... I don't want to waste my time talking about stupid stuff, inconsequential, nebulous stuff. What in the world? That's, that's not life. That's not bread. That's not living water. That's putrid water, the water the world has to offer. It's the Word of God. It's alive and active, and it brings life. And in order to revive, you know, throughout this whole Psalm 119, did you notice this kind of common theme? Revive me, O Lord. Revive me, O Lord. In other words, I need revival, personal revival in my life. You cannot revive life unless you have life. It has to be alive. There has to be life. It's the word of life that gives life and revives life. And that's the language of heaven. It's when you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sometimes it's the language of heaven that has a word fitly spoken for somebody that is just struggling and hanging on by a thread. And you can speak life because the tongue has the power of death and life. And you speak the language of heaven, the Word of God into that life and you will revive life. And you will bring life. And it's so edifying and so encouraging. I want to end with this. You know, probably one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has in his arsenal is the weapon of discouragement. I mean, this is a real subtle but very powerful tactic of the enemy, is discouragement. And I think about, and it's kind of interesting in Colossians, we're going to be in chapter 2, Sunday morning, Lord willing, Apostle Paul you know, is talking about them being strengthened and encouraged because they were really up against some pretty tough stuff at that time. And he was kind of warning them and wanting to encourage them. And it's easy to get discouraged. And here we are as Christians. Now we have set before us this opportunity to really offer an encouraging word from God's word and speak into that life the language of heaven. Just, and, and sometimes it can just be so simple. So I don't. I, to me, I don't think that any of us can hear that God is for me too much. I, I can't hear that enough. I can't hear that God loves me, that God has a plan for me, a future and a hope not to harm me, not to hurt me. I, I can't hear that enough. I can't hear as David would uh, pen in Psalm 23, that famous psalm, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I can't hear that enough. Because sometimes I I look about what's what's following me, and I, I, I need to be reminded that it's goodness and mercy. It's only good. God is merciful. God is good. I need that encouragement because, I mean, So much is against us, especially in these, the last days of human history as we know it. And it can be very discouraging, very frightening. And God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a disciplined and sound mind. It's the language of heaven. And we have the ability to speak with this tongue as the psalmist declares his lips My lips belong to you. You know, James talks about the tongue being, (laughs) we can control large vessels, ships at sea. We can control large animals and tame them and train them, but we can't control this little ugly piece of flesh that God gave a fence, a white ticket fence, to try to keep that thing inside. And that still doesn't work either. It can just, I mean, you can kill... With that thing, that little stinking piece of flesh inside that mouth.
0: Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor JD's teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth.